0: Today's scripture reading is taken from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the NIV Hear the Word of the Lord. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Now, the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, He believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be to God. And thank you, Roger. Thank you, team, for leading us. Good morning, Trinity Church. So good to see you here, I'm Pastor Jeff Gangle. Glad that you've joined us. For those of you that are tuning in online, glad that you're with us as well. Thank you for participating from afar and worshiping with us this morning. Um, just say, uh, uh, addition to what Jason said, my word of thank you as well on this uh, the giving that we've reported for the Disaster Relief in Haiti, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for giving uh, the generosity of your hearts. Trinity always is such a a generous congregation. Thank you for participating in that to meet the needs of those who are hurting in our world. So um, that's wonderful. hope to see more ways that Samaritan's Purse reaches out in these hurting areas in our own country over these next weeks. Um, Let me just share one other family matter with you before we go into our text this morning. Uh, Most of you that are on our uh, thread of uh, emails for friends and family of Trinity saw this this midweek and were probably shocked and surprised about this. And if you didn't see that, just to let you know this morning that Allison and Scott Everell have uh, decided that God is leading them on and uh, they'll be leaving Trinity in a few weeks. So uh, we are cutting in and out a little bit here, Charles. I don't know if we can help anything with that. I can move to the front here. We are saddened by that uh, turn of events and uh, obviously none of us here wanted to see that happen. We love Allison and Scott and we'll miss them terribly. Um, So, uh, but for personal and family reasons, they've made that choice feel that this is what they need to do. And so uh, be praying for them in the transition, be praying for us at Trinity in this time of transition as well for our music leadership. God is, as we said already many times this morning, God is on the throne. He is not, never surprised by things like this that surprise us. God is in control. He knows what He's doing, and He will continue doing it in our midst. So, uh, we're confident in that. And uh, so, the uh, 19th will be Allison's last Sunday with us, so just so you know, we're already making plans, and um, on the 26th, the last Sunday of September, we've already asked uh, Dana Blackwood to come back in as our interim. He spent 18 months with us as our interim music leader. He will come in for whatever period of time we need him to do that again. Thank the Lord he's available, and willing. loves Trinity, and will step in to continue to lead us in worship every Sunday morning, and so we're thankful for that. Uh, let's pause for a minute, let's go into prayer, and let's ask God to uh, guide our service and our, our time in His Word this morning. Lord, we thank You so much for loving us. Thank You for being in our midst, being present with us here this morning. Thank You for the, these beautiful songs that we've been able to express Your goodness, Your greatness, to recognize the power of the, Your name, Lord Jesus that You are our healer, our defender, our Savior, our our King. And, Lord, it's so good for us to come together proclaim this. We need this on a regular basis, Lord, to be proclaiming the truth of who You are and what You have done, reminding ourselves of the center point of our life, the priorities of our lives. And so thank You for bringing us here together. We truly believe, Lord, this is by Your design, Your call that draws us together for this time In worship today. And Lord, out of worship, may we hear your voice. May we hear your call. May we respond to you. And Lord, as always, I ask that you would guard my words, help me to accurately, rightly communicate what you have for us this morning. And Lord, may it be the power of your living word at work in us, speaking to us through the power of your Holy Spirit present in our lives. And we will give you all the praise and the glory for what you want to do in us and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Out in the early 2000s, Verizon Wireless came up with a highly successful ad campaign, probably one that you remember. If you saw our little video that we send out on Saturdays, you saw a little bit of a preview of that. It, the, the commercials would show a guy representing Verizon, he'd be in different places all around the country, so he'd out of a manhole cover or he'd be in a swamp somewhere or in a desert or on a bus or a subway or in a playground and he would have his phone to his ear and he would say, can you hear me now, right? Can you hear me now? And, and then he'd pause for a second and he'd say, good. So you never heard the voice on the other end of the line, but always was the obvious assumption. The other person said, yes, I can hear you. And the idea of the ad, which was brilliant, was that Wherever you go, you can get a signal with Verizon Wireless, whether it was true or not. It was, it was, it was this ad campaign. And so it's interesting that, that uh, Melo kind of ended up being the star of our video yesterday because Melo spent 30 years working for Verizon. I didn't even know that before we made the video yesterday. So she is, was the appropriate person to say the line, can you hear me now? And I thought about that phrase, and it struck me in our passage today. I wonder how many times... God says to us, can you hear me now? How many times does God speak and we're either not paying attention, we're busy with other things, or we're distracted, whatever, and we don't hear His voice when He speaks? Or when we do, that we figure out ways to ignore it or, or go our own way? Well, our passage this morning is going to focus us on a great example of hearing God's Word and responding in obedience to God's Word. Please take your Bibles. Turn, please, to Acts chapter 13. If you have your Bible, hope you do, or your phone or electronic device. There are Bibles on, under some of the chairs around you, too, if you need one. Turn to Acts chapter 13, our passage today. would love to have you follow along because we're coming to what is now the second half of the book of Acts and we're moving into this kind of new phase of the book and we're going to see the church, catching this vision of what God has for the gospel. And we're going to see really our title that we've had for the series really fleshed out. That the gospel goes like like fireworks spreading out and splashing across the sky. Going to the ends of the earth to reach those who need it. And the, the emphasis is, is suddenly changing here as we go into this new half, the second half of the book of Acts. So, What was centered in Jerusalem, now we have a new home base for missions, and it's the church in Antioch. What was a focus on Peter's ministry for the most part, now we get the focus on Paul's ministry. What had been a focus on Jews and Jewish Christians specifically, now we're going to see it expanding to all these Gentile Christians coming to know the Lord. We're going to see a focus from one people group now expanding to all peoples. And so as we move through the book of Acts, we're going to see the church experiencing this incredible makeover, a whole new face. So what is there this morning? What are we looking for in this passage for us? What I'd like you to pay attention to and grab a hold of is this reminder that when God calls us, we need to listen. We need to hear His voice. And when we speak... We need to speak for Him, speaking His Word. It's God's call on us that gets us moving, but it's God's Word that actually moves the mountains. It's God's call that sends us out, but it's God's Word that brings people to Him. So let's dive right in here. Here's our first part of our passage. It's hearing God's call. We see this happen in the church in Antioch so relevant for us, hearing God's call. And the text actually begins at the end of chapter 11. So I didn't cover that verse last week because it really focuses, it kind of sets up the passage for this week because we have this transition from Peter's prison escape that we focused on last week and what's happening in Jerusalem. Now the action is moving back to Antioch. So look at verse 25 of chapter 12. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So the first question is, what was this mission? Well, remember back to chapter 11, there was, a, there was a famine going on and needs in the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Antioch recognized those needs. They send fund, they send help just like we've been doing for, for, for Haiti. They send this relief effort and they send it with Barnabas and Saul. So they've gone to church, the church in Jerusalem, they've brought this gift, now they're heading back to Antioch, they bring John Mark, we were introduced to him in the house church that met in his mother's home, he comes back as their apprentice, and now we get to chapter 13. And we're introduced to some of the leaders in the church in Antioch. Now I want you you to notice here the great diversity of this church, and it shouldn't be a surprise to us because remember many of these were Christians that came from all over, running away from persecution, getting out of the persecution, and they end up in Antioch. And for for what the names we have, probably none of them were from Antioch. So first we have Simeon called Niger, probably he was from somewhere in North Africa. Lucius of Cyrene, that's a city in what it was now, modern-day Libya. Manian, who we're told had been raised in the royal court with Herod the Tetrarch, so probably in Jerusalem, maybe Caesarea. And these men come alongside Barnabas and Saul, who were, neither of them were from Antioch either. Saul from Tarsus, Barnabas from Jerusalem. And they come as prophets, and they are serving as prophets and teachers in the church in Antioch. It's fascinating to me. The kinds of things I would love to know, we're not told. Luke doesn't tell us, where did the church meet? How big was this church? Who else was in this church? What else were they doing in Antioch? None of that. What he does tell us, however, is the church was focused on worship and prayer. Actually, he tells us they were fasting. Fasting is a process of prayer. It's part of what focuses us in on our prayer. It's not a practice that we that we do to get us closer to God, or to maybe to get closer, but not necessarily to get favor with Him. It's a way of focusing our prayer, giving up something else so that we pray more specifically. And that's what's happening in the church there. And it leads to our first principle this morning as part of God's call, and that is that His call often flows out of worship and prayer. Often God's call comes to us in the midst of our worship and our prayer. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What were they praying for? Now, Luke doesn't tell us specifically here. Were they praying for missionaries to send out? Well, that's what happens, but that's not necessarily what they were praying for. They may not have known that was coming. Were they praying for vision and direction for them as a church? Maybe. But maybe they were just meeting like us. They were just worshiping, praying, fasting. They were just experiencing God together. And in the midst of that worship, the Holy Spirit calls. Which, by the way, is not a new concept. Remember the prophet Isaiah? He's given a dramatic vision of God's holiness In Isaiah chapter 6, and he falls on his face when he sees the holiness of God and he's struck by his own sinfulness. He confesses his sin. He's forgiven cleansed of his sin. And then, remember what happens. We have the verse here, Isaiah 6, verse 8. This voice comes out from from this vision that he has and says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. In the midst of worship, Isaiah is called to his ministry. I think God most often calls those who are already tuned in to him. And those who are tuned in to him are most ready to respond to him. Certainly what we see here. Let me give you an example of this. Some of you, probably many of you may have seen me wearing this Bluetooth device. It kind of wraps around the neck. It just kind of hangs here. I call it my my Bluetooth noose, and because you know, our phones have kind of become like that, almost like this noose hanging around our necks, always with us, always need them, and, and especially, you know, it just visualizes it with this, but it actually provides a good convenience for hands-free talking on the phone, whether I'm walking or I'm driving, whatever, I just have this on, turn it on, put the little earbud in my ear, and I can, I can go on. Now, the problem is, if I don't have it turned on, or I don't have the bud in my ear, my phone rings, then I'm quickly scrambling. I'm trying to turn this on, get the bud in. It takes a few seconds you know, for the call to transfer from the phone to the Bluetooth device. And so, oftentimes, I will miss the call in the midst of that, trying to get it on. But if I have it on, if I have it in, I'm ready for that call. So that's kind of what we're seeing here in this passage is These believers who were already tuned in, the Bluetooth was on, the earbud was in, spiritually speaking, they were ready to hear from the Lord. They were worshiping, they were fasting, they were praying. So when the Holy Spirit spoke, they were ready to listen. When we stay tuned, tuned in to our relationship with God through consistent worship and prayer, We're much more likely to hear the Spirit's voice when He calls us. Great lesson. Very practical. (laughs) Stay tuned in to hear His call. What was the call? Well, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. Now, it's interesting. He gives no other explanation. Uh, He gives no specifics. What is this work? Where are they going? This Holy Spirit doesn't say, at least in in the text that we have. It's not like the Holy Spirit comes to them and, says, you know, if you'll take your Bible and turn to the back, you'll find a map there, and I've put it all down for you. Just follow Paul's first missionary journey, and then you'll know where to go. No, there, there was no map yet. The journey hadn't happened yet. Paul, or Saul, and Barnabas didn't necessarily know where they were going, where this obedience would take them, what they would be doing. They're called to step out in obedience. And they were ready, and they were willing to obey in faith. This is a common pattern in Acts. We've already seen it a number of times. We're going to continue to see this, the church responding to God in obedience, in faith. And for them, think about this, what would this mean to go on this, to this work that meant they're leaving this thriving church. They, had, they hadn't been there very long. This church in Antioch was still fairly young, fairly new. And so here they are in this church setting, and they are, they're, they're growing, and things are happening, and they're teaching the Word, and now they're going to leave. They're willing to make that sacrifice. And it demonstrates another principle for us is that God's call may require sacrifice. Sometimes that's part of it. Barnabas and Saul were ready for that, but it wasn't just for them. It was for the whole church too, right? Look at verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The church in Antioch was willing to give up their primary encourager, Barnabas, who had come to help them out from the very beginning. They were willing to give up. Their talented teacher Saul, that Barnabas had gone all the way to Tarsus to bring him back to Antioch to help the teaching in the church. The church is ready, willing to give them up, send them off. It'd be kind of like this. If the elders of Trinity got up here one Sunday morning and they said, you know, we've decided that there's a great need in India, and mission work to be done, so we're sending our entire staff of Trinity to there. We don't know how long they're going to be there, when they might be back. We're just going to send them off. And some of you might say, Oh good, we got a break from Pastor Jeff's sermons for a while. Thank goodness, but and some of you, but some of you might think, well, what, Wait a minute, if we send our whole staff, well, what what are we going to do here? What about the work here? See, there's a sense of of the sacrifice involved for the gospel to go out. But the church there got that; they understood that. For the gospel to spread out, there might be a sacrifice. And the church understood there's a bigger picture. It's more than just Jerusalem. It's more than just Antioch. The gospel message needed to travel. It needed to take flight. It needed to reach to the ends of the earth. So they're willing to send. We mentioned back a couple months ago, back in July, we talked about and prayed for Kim and Bert Boudet as they went down to Honduras to help in an emergency, a situation down there that represented us and our missions committee to help Michael and Karen Vincent and Casa de Abi. But that wasn't just a one-time thing. In fact, Kim Boudet is right back there again now. Just a few short weeks later, the need for training, the staff, and other things, the help was needed, and so she went again. You might think, well, wait a minute, she's a deacon here at Trinity. We might need her here. And Bert, I see him back sitting there, he's saying, yeah, and I'm her husband and I need her here. We're not sure how, (laughs) we don't know how long Bert's going to be able to survive without his wife. So there are sacrifices to be made. That's my point. For the gospel to go out, for help to go out, for the work of God to be done, sometimes we sin, sometimes we go, sometimes we give up things for the gospel to flourish. Sometimes it's the sent one that sacrifices, sometimes it's those who sent who sacrifice. So Saul and Barnabas left, look at verse 4, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So a little phrase there, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, wait a minute, didn't we just say the church sent them? Yes, but it was the Holy Spirit's call, remember. He's the one actually sending them. The church is just getting on board with what God asked them to do. They're just cooperating in this work of God. We have to always see it that way. We are cooperating with God's call, God's mission, God's work. We partner with Him. So this missionary team, it's actually three now, we're told, by Luke. John Mark, who they brought from Jerusalem, comes along. He's still kind of their... their, um, The guy that's learning along the way, and it's their apprentice. And so he goes and they sail to the port city of Seleucia, and they arrive on the island of Cyprus. So let me show you a little map here. This kind of gets you a little bit of the lay of the land. Antioch, near the coast, Seleucia, they go down to the port city, board a ship, they sail to Cyprus, the port city of Salamis on the island of Cyprus. So why did they go there? Well, if you'll remember back a little bit, Barnabas was from Cyprus. That was his home territory. So maybe they were going there because he had some contacts, some family members. He knew the way around. So they end up going to Cyprus. And what do they do when they get there? Verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They go right at it, preaching, teaching, telling the word of God. And this would become a pattern for Paul's missionary journeys, okay? So you're going to see this over and over again as we go through the rest of the book of Acts. Coming to, finding a key city, going to that key city, finding the Jewish synagogue, going there first, preaching the gospel of Jesus to the Jews first, and then when it was rejected, going to the Gentiles, taking the message to them. That's the pattern. So they start that pattern off right here. And it's a reminder to us of of what they did. It's kind of the second part of our passage, hearing God's call. Now they are speaking God's word speaking God's Word. And this is our responsibility as well. It's what they did in Salamis. They continued to do crossing the island. So look again at the map. Now they leave that port city of Salamis. We're not told much about what happened there other than they started this pattern of preaching the Word. They crossed the island, go to the west. They're in Paphos now, a port city known for copper mines and known for its shipbuilding but also a place that was filled with idol worship and superstition and sorcery and all kinds of stuff going on far from Jerusalem. So what do they do? They proclaim the gospel. They preach the word, they do the same thing as they have done and will do. And amazingly what happens is this Roman governor of the city, Sergius Paulus, hears what's going on, hears them talking about proclaiming God's word and he wants to hear more of God's Word. If God has spoken, he wants to know what God has said. He wanted to hear the Word, verse 7. And so this leads to our, our really a principle here under speaking God's Word, and that is it's the obvious. It must be proclaimed. God's Word must be spoken out. It must be proclaimed. You know, there, there are so many things that we could say there are so many things that we may want to say. There are so many voices out there trying to say whatever they want to say in our world today, right? But What's the one thing that's most needed? The Word of God, the voice of God. That's what we need to hear. That's what we need to be speaking. God's call on our lives, the primary responsibility that we have as Christians is to present His Word first and foremost it should be our consistent and constant message, God's word. It should always be the same. Now, I'll give you another example of this. I'm, I'm not much of a coffee drinker, uh, but and Beth occasionally will drink coffee, or especially tea, really is more her thing. And and so occasionally, if we're out and she wants to get a good cup of, of coffee or, or chai tea, she'll look for a Starbucks, it's just kind of the place to go, right? And why did, But why does she choose Starbucks? Not because we love paying six bucks for a cup of coffee. It's because if you go to Starbucks, it doesn't matter where you go. If you place your order, which, by the way, always baffles me. As a non-coffee drinker, how do you put 15 phrases to describe a cup of coffee? I mean, I, I asked Beth to write hers down for me. What do you order when you go to, to Starbucks? Here's, here's what she'll say. I want a hot, grande, dirty chai, tea, latte, single decaf shot, no foam. Like This is like another language to me. what What is that? How do you even drink that? But people come in and some of them are even long, maybe yours is even longer than that, your order. The amazing thing is it doesn't matter if you're in Atlanta or if you're in Seattle or Timbuktu, if you order that, it will taste the same wherever you are because the brew is the same, the recipe is the same. Every Starbucks makes it the same way. The gospel should always be the same. No matter where we are, no matter where we go, different people, different place, different time, different message, not a different message, the same message for all. The message of God's Word. That needs to be our focus. That is the brew. That is what we have to offer people. The timeless, infallible, inerrant Word of God. It's the only truth we have to stand on. So Saul and Barnabas gladly shared the word with Sergius Paulus. But they weren't the only ones in the room. So this is only the second stop on their missionary journey, and already they're facing this opposition. And ironically, it comes from a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet. How he got from Jewish area territory over here to Cyprus. We don't know, but he's there working for this Roman governor, which seems odd, but it actually wasn't. Roman officials often had these kind of uh, tricksters and sorcerers and and, uh, fortune tellers. They had them around them. They, They would listen. There was a lot of mysticism involved in the Roman culture. So this guy, Elemas, which probably was not his name, more represented what he did because the name Elemas means sorcerer. And he steps in and he tries to keep the governor away from the truth. He's now standing in the way, trying to block him from hearing God's Word. And here's where Luke tells us about Saul's other name as well. He goes by Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. So it shouldn't be surprising to us as they come into Greek territory, he now goes by Paul. So now you'll see the name Paul instead of Saul. Same guy, different name in a different area. And so he comes in, Paul steps in, filled by the Spirit, Luke tells us. He steps in to confront this prophet who is blocking the gospel. And he comes ready to speak the Word of God in the midst of this conflict, which is our second part of speaking God's Word, another principle for us, that God's Word may cause conflict. We need to expect that, we need to know that sometimes when we give the Word, there's going to be backlash, there's going to be pushback. That's the nature of it. God's Word brings conflict, the light exposes darkness, the truth of God conflicts with the lies of the enemy. And here we have a messenger of God, Paul, who's calling out this child of the devil, Which is interesting, the name, the play on names that's going on here, because this guy's the sorcerer's name was Bar-Jesus, which means son of the Savior. Paul knows he's not a son of the Savior. He calls him a child of the devil. And he confronts him, and he speaks against him. He knows this guy is full of deceit and trickery and perverting the ways of the Lord. And so Paul performs what is, as far as we know, his first... Miracle, it's at least the first recorded miracle of Paul. He calls down blindness on Elemas. And it's interesting to think about this because Paul himself had experienced blindness on the road to Damascus, right? God struck him with blindness so that he would see the light. And so he calls down blindness on Elemas. Verse 11 says, Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Here's the thing. If you obey God's call to speak His word, just expect that sometimes there will be conflict. Sometimes there will be opposition from the enemy. But, and don't miss this, the power of God is always greater than anything the enemy will throw at you. That's exactly what we see here. God comes, steps in and His power is greater than this conflict, greater than this opposition. Our grandson Mark whose birthday is today, by the way, he turns four today, which also marks our four years here at Trinity for Beth and I, because Mark was born two days after our first Sunday, and so his birthday is today, and, and he was, his family was with us last weekend, and he said something to me, I don't remember if it was before he went to bed that night to stand at our house, or the next morning, he said, Papa, I'm afraid of the dark, and it's not that uncommon. It's three turning four, that's pretty natural for his age to fear the dark. But I said, I asked him, I said, Mark, why are you afraid of the dark? And this is what he said. He said, because I can't see what's there. Very logical. But actually, it really says a lot about us, too. For us as adults, why do we sometimes fear? Why sometimes is there doubt in us? Because there are some things we can't fully see, some things we don't fully understand, and the tendency is to fear those things, to doubt when we can't see what we want to see, which is exactly why we need the light. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need His promises. That's why we need His revelation to us because only there do we have the truth of God that dispels the darkness, only there is the light that we desperately need. Only there are the promises that take us through when we can't see everything or understand everything that we want to see and understand because we have God's promises that we can trust Him, that He'll be there for us, that He will guide us. When we stand on the Word of God, we don't have to fear the opposition that comes because we will not face defeat. And they didn't there either. There was the case in Paphos. Not only did the sorcerer get defeated, interesting that the one who stands for darkness, trying to keep Sergius Paulus in darkness, is now covered in darkness himself by blindness. And Sergius Paulus, who is searching for the truth, finds the light. Verse 12, When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. See, it was the teaching about Jesus that amazed him. It was the Word of God that changed him, which is our last principle for this morning, that God's Word will inspire faith. It's God's Word that inspires faith. Not the miracle that brought him to faith. That may have caught his attention, but it's the Word. And Luke records this for us, and as far as we know from what Luke says, it's the only conversion that he tells us about on the whole island of Cyprus. Now, surely there were probably others who came to faith But Luke wants us to focus on this one. This Roman governor, probably the least likely that we would expect to come to faith, is so moved by the Word of God that he believes. That's a preview of what we're going to see throughout this journey as we go on through the book of Acts because we see a Jew blinded to the truth and a Gentile believing the truth. And here's the encouragement for us. You don't have to be able to do a miracle, strike somebody with blindness to have an eternal impact in somebody's life. The Word of God is what changes lives. The good news of the gospel is what draws people, inspires people to faith. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and active. That's why when this Roman governor heard the teaching about the Lord, he responded, he believed. You know, this weekend... Some of you have maybe already been or you've driven by. Jeep Fest is going on, right? Right here in our own county. And this is a picture of the field, not from this year, but from maybe previous year. Cars and Jeeps and tents and so on. People all over that field out there on Highway 53. But this year, you know what else is out there? There's a few signs, a few banners that say Trinity Church. That advertise the fall celebration that we're going to be having right out on that same field on October 31st. And we're going to be bringing a whole bunch of fall fun to that. We're going to be giving away free food and drinks. We're going to have inflatables for kids. We're going to have games and snow cones and popcorns and popcorn and, and candy, of course. But what we'll also have there, that fall celebration on that Jeep Fest field, is the gospel. The Word of God is going to be there. It's going to be in word and song. It's going to be in the games and the prizes. It's going to be in booklets that are going to be in every kid's bag that we hand out. Because the Word of God inspires faith. Because the gospel changes lives. And because our responsibility as a church is to take that good news of the gospel and give it out to those who need to hear it. So you're going to hear us, and you've already heard me saying it a number of times over the next few weeks. We're going to be asking you to help us do that. This is a whole church event and project. We need everybody's help. We're going to be asking you to sign up and volunteer on all these different um, service teams, all the things that will be going on on that field that afternoon. Why do we do this? Why put out such effort? Why spend the money? Because that's our job. That's our role. That's the church. Taking the gospel. To those who need to hear it, the Word of God changes lives, inspires faith. As we close this morning, I don't normally close a sermon this way, but it, it's a good wrap up of our, of our passage and a transition to our time at the Lord's table this morning. The song is Word of God Speak. It's been around for a while. I'm sure you know it, you've heard it, sung by the group Mercy Me. I want you to just hear it. It's a prayer. It's a prayer that God would speak to us through his word. Open our ears. Let us hear and respond to him. So listen to this song. Let it be your prayer this morning.